Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ continues his sermon series, Love in the House, with a message honoring single parents and widows. Finding yourself single again can be a very painful time, but aren't you glad we serve an amazing God that can remove the hurts, pains, and layers in our life so we can learn to love again? We hope you enjoy this message. Jump right into the word today. Last week we talked about sharing love in our community and in our church family, sharing love in our community and our church family. Today we want to talk about t- sharing love with single parents and, and widows and those that maybe have lost your spouse. And so today we're going we're gonna to honor, I'm just going to let you know right up front, single parents, mom, dads, uh, spouses that you have lately lost your spouse, we are going to honor you today. We have something very special we'd like to give to you today, and that's going to come to the end of the service. So I want to let you know that. You don't want to slip out, maybe sneak away, because we have something great to give you. They've got great value. You're going to want to get it. But uh, we want to give that to you today because we love you. You. I know that next week we're going to be celebrating couples, but this week we want to celebrate the single parents and the widows and, and, the, and the people without spouses. Amen? So today, some, come on, give the Lord praise. Amen? Amen. And I just want you to know as your pastor, I don't care if you're single, whatever your situation is, we love you here at Adventure Church, and you're welcomed here. But in John chapter 15, we want to go back to where we started last week. John 15 is where Jesus is talking there, and he's sharing this. And it says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And so the same love that Jesus was receiving from his Father, that same love now he's given to us. And so I don't know about you, but it feels good to be loved. Amen? Everybody wants to feel loved. Everyone wants to feel special. Everyone wants to feel honored and respected. You know, I don't know about you, but it feels good to know that my my wife loves me, my kids love me, and especially my grandkids love me. I love it when I get around my grandkids. Yeah, I'm turning old and they're young, but every time I get around my grandkids and they're love, it just somehow energizes me. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how tired. I can be tired. I can be dead dog tired, ready to go to bed. But I get around my grandkids and just feeling their love. It just kind of energizes me. It gets me excited to be around them. But then he goes on to say, he said, now remain in my love. In other words, don't just experience his love, but stay in his love. That we should be lovers of Christ. That we should love that Christ loved us and that we should love our brothers or our sisters or our community or people around us. That we should be a reflection of the Lord. Amen? Amen? And he goes on to say, he said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Why does Jesus say, did you ever think about that? Why does Jesus say that your joy may be complete? How many of you know that love costs nothing, but it creates much? That when you give and then when you, the Bible says in Acts 20, verse 21, it's better to give than it is to receive. That when you give, it does something to you. Me and Cheryl, Cheryl and I, we, we, love, to, we love to give. I'll I tell you, we really do. We love to give. We don't let our right hand know what our left hand's doing. We don't blow a trumpet when we give. We, we love to give. But when we give, it's, it's, it's exciting when we give because of, we get to see a smile on that individual's face in which we give something to. And it's something about giving. It makes that person feel appreciated 
love and accept it. You know, over the course of the time, and when I'm thinking about my message and put it together, over the course of our time that Cheryl and I have been married, we gave away a truck and we gave away two cars. And you know what? God never seemed to fail that he, every time we sold a car, God came back with another car. And I mean to tell you, it's just been cool. We able, I had a, a, a truck that I gave away, a Dodge Dakota that I gave away. And I'll never forget, I gave it to our, our lead singer that was in our worship team in Oklahoma. And I gave him that truck. And you know what? God never fails. He came back and gave us another truck. And then at that time, I got a Jeep Grand Cherokee, Pastor Andrew, a Jeep Grand Cherokee. But every time you sow, what you sow is what you're going to reap. So if you are in the habit of sowing, in the habit of giving, guess what? It's going to come back to you. So what you sow is what you're going to reap. And so when he says that, what you reap, and that's part of being complete. You know, you ever think of the word joy? Jesus first, the J. Others second, yourself third. It brings joy. When you learn to walk in love, it brings joy to your heart, to your soul, and to your spirit because you're contributing to the cause of maybe someone else and helping them and maybe in a hopeless situation. So it brings joy. But then Jesus goes on to say, he says this. I love this. He said, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That Love each other as I have loved you. You. You see, listen, when you learn to walk in love, your joy becomes complete. Isn't that true? Man, when you learn to walk in love, your, your joy becomes complete. Love is the fruit that bears much result, and it gives hope to the hopeless. How many of you know that is so true? It gives hope to the hopeless. Some time ago, when Cheryl and I were pastoring in Grand Junction, I'll never forget, we built our home there, and so I had to put in the yard. I had to put in the sprinkler system. I had to seed the, the yard and so on. But when I put in my yard, I also brought three cherry trees. I brought two Bing trees, two Bing red cherry trees, and I brought a yellow cherry tree. And I'll never forget when I brought them, they were about this high when I got them. And so I planted them and watered them and took care of them. And if you know anything about cherry trees, they're very sensitive when they're young, when they're little saplings and trees and so on. And they're very sensitive. And so the first year when we had it, it was growing. It took root. Man, it started to produce uh, cherries. And it only produced that first year that I had it, it only produced about four cherries that year. And they were like almost dwarf cherries. They weren't very big and very red and delicious. And so I bit into them, and they were kind of hard, and they were very bitter. Man, they weren't sweet at all. And so that year, they only produced about four. But then the next year, it produced a little more. By the seventh year that we were in our house, then Bing trees and that yellow cherry tree produced great cherries. And I mean to tell you, it was amazing. It was amazing that all of a sudden, they were from bitter to real sweet, to man, mature cherries that, man, I was proud to pick them and even bring some of them to the friends of my at our church there in Grand Junction. The point of that is that's the same way with you. When you become a Christian in your life, what happens is you're coming out of your old lifestyle. Maybe your old lifestyle of, of hurt and pain, rejection, bitterness, anger. But when God gets a hold of you, he takes your bitterness, he takes your scars and turns them into stars. He takes your stumbling blocks and turns them into stepping stones. And what happens, he takes that dwarf cherry and makes you a fine, delicious cherry. 
cherry, and you go through cycles of life. The more you get in with God, the more he begins to transform you. And it's the same way. You get sweeter and sweeter, the Bible says, as the days go by. So what God does for you, maybe right now you're a new Christian. So you're saying, I don't really know how to love. Or maybe you're a mature Christian where you should know how to love. But each year, each season with God, you should be progressing and progressing not only just in being the, uh, the Christian that you're supposed to be, but you should be progressing in the things of God. And the things of God is learning to love. That I'm going to progress in my love for God, love for people, love for others around me. That I'm going to become more like him. I'm going to be like that cherry. That man, I was once in the world, but man, I was bitter, upset, angry, rejected. But now... I want to be transformed and get sweeter and sweeter with Christ. And that's what God wants us to be. As a believer in Christ, I want you to see this. As a believer in Christ, your fruit takes time to grow. It takes time to grow. How many know that's true? It takes time to grow. It takes time to grow. But maybe, maybe you have to learn to love again. Maybe you have to grow that part in your life again because you yourself were not loved. It takes time to grow. Maybe you got to learn to be able to love. And so I always tell people this. You take strides in learning to love. You stick out your neck slowly. You take little baby steps to learning how to love and maybe making, showing different things by maybe writing a letter or showing people that you appreciate them. You take baby steps to lead the bigger steps in learning how to love. You know, when I was growing up, I grew in a house with man. Man, my mother was the only lover. My fathers obviously weren't. And so I had to learn to love, and I would always guard myself. Now people say, CJ, man, you just love people. It's because I had to learn how to love. Love is, man, learning how, giving out love. And you don't have to jump right in, but it's a process. And you have to learn how to love. Maybe you have to trust again because your trust has been broken. Maybe it's time that, man, I need to mature in my trust again. I need to grow in my trust. How many have ever been broken, had the trust broken in your relationships, and you've been hurt by trust, and you trusted people, and they let you down? And so maybe you need to start trusting again, and you put up walls, and man, and so because you got up walls, you're not letting anybody in, and man, you got this fortress around you, and you're like, you're only coming this far. But maybe God is asking you to say, hey, you have to start loving, and in loving, you have to start trusting again. You have to start trusting. I, I know what it's like not to trust because after my second father left and he was thrown in Wapon Penitentiary, let me tell you something. When my third father came into our lives, man, I met him at the door. The first time I ever met him when my mom started dating him, I met him at the door with a butcher knife. And I called him every kind of name in the book and said, you are not coming in this house. And the reason why is because I couldn't trust. I'm not letting someone else come into my house and beat me or hurt my sisters. But you know what? As time progressed, I was learning how to trust again. And some of you, you need to learn to love again. Maybe you've been rejected, and maybe you've gone through a horrible divorce, or maybe you've had gone through a bad relationship, and so you're not able to love or you're not able to trust. But with God, God said, listen. Start taking little baby steps, learning to trust again, learning to love again. Another one is this. Maybe you didn't grow up with a family that showed love. You know what? I didn't, but I had to break that cycle. The other day, I looked on Facebook, and there was a thing on there that put on there that we break the generational curse. 
You see that on Facebook? Did you guys read that? And I thought, man, I put on there, yes and amen, that we break that generational curse. That maybe it has to start with you. That, hey, I'm going to not be like my past. I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like this or that. I'm going to step out in love. I'm going to break that generational curse. I'm going to be like Christ. And I'm going to let down my walls. And I want to start loving people. You see, a lot of times what happens is we keep people at an arm's length. And because all of it, it starts with our experiences. You see, if you remain in Christ... He removed the hurts, the pains, and the layers in your life so that you can love again. That's what God does. He removes all that from you. He removes all that from you. Some of you are suffocating because you're not learning to love again. Some of you are dying because you have no trust. And some of you are just maybe this man feeling empty inside. And God is saying, listen, you have to let down your walls to love again. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I remember when I first get, got into a youth group, and I, man, I tried all these crazy things with these kids, and man, Rich Wilkerson, I don't know if you guys know Rich Wilkerson, but Rich Wilkerson was a great uh, uh, youth pastor, and he's also a great evangelist now, and he pastors in California, but anyways, uh, I was with him, and I said, Rich, I said, how did you grow your youth group, and what, what was the secrets to growing your youth group? And he said these words, and I'll never forget, he said, CJ, he said, every kid that you come encounter with has a, has a wall built up. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they have walls built up because maybe they have a bad family life, they have rejection, maybe they have hurt relationships, and all these different things. So they have a wall built up. So a lot of times what happens is you as a youth pastor are trying to talk through a wall. And I thought, well, that, that, that makes sense. So he said, how you get over that wall is you have to let those kids start to trust you and you have to start being open to them and that they can trust you and that you show love to them. And as you show love and trust to them, eventually that wall will come down. And before you know it, man, I started walking out in love because I always thought I had to do all these activities and I had to play basketball with them and all these kinds of things. But what I began to do is I just started taking kids out individually, started saying, how you doing? Letting them know I cared. And you know what? Eventually that wall came down and I got to their heart. And some of those kids, man, today are in ministry. And I look at our fruit of our tree. That Man, Cheryl and I have planted trees all over that came off our ministry. And many of those kids, man, we touched are in ministry today. Why? Because the wall came down. My question is you. Do you have a wall built up? And my question is why do you have that wall built up? You want to be loved but are you letting people love you? People want to love you, but you're not letting the wall down. Are you loving others? That's what God wants us to do, is to love each other. In John 15, verses 1 through 5, look at what Jesus says. This is a powerful word. He said, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will produce or even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In other words, man, we are already clean, but you accepted the Lord. Go ahead and turn it. Go ahead. He says, remain in me as I have remained in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
In other words, you, you cannot walk with, uh, with love without Christ. You have to be grafted into Christ. God is love, right? He said, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But look what he said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So in other words, what God is saying that he's the pruner, he's the gardener that cuts away things in your life. And he cuts those things away for, in your life so that you can produce better fruit. So what are some of the things that maybe God cuts away in us? Here's some. In Christ, he cuts away those things in your life that keep you from loving. And sometimes those things in your life that God cuts away in you, we all say, ouch, but therefore the betterment of us so that we grow and that we produce better fruit. Because the opposite of love is bitterness. It's sorrow. It's pain. And God cuts that away. And sometimes God will cut things in your life away from you that you cherish and that you hold on to. That's your security blanket. But God says, no, I got to cut that away from you so that I can produce better fruit in you. And sometimes when God cutting away, it hurts. And maybe he needs to cut that away from you that you got bitterness and resentment in your life. And God said, listen, I'm coming with the pruning shears. I'm taking that away. And it hurts when he does that. Another one, he cuts away the pain of your past so you can grow from it. Man, some of you got your past wrapped around you like a cocoon. And God has to cut that away so you can walk into your future. So that you can walk into what God has in store for you. You're always living in the rearview mirror and not into your future. And God said, listen, I got to cut that away so that you can be free indeed to walk into the greater things that I have for your life. But some of you only know your past. You only know your past. And you live in your past. And your past is like your security blanket and your hope that you hold on to. But God says, wait a minute. I got bigger and better things for you. It's time that I cut it away. But God, you don't understand. I've been wounded. I've been hurt. I'm not doing this again. Have you ever felt like that before? And God cuts those away. He cuts away your bitterness so you can love again. I always say this. Bitterness doesn't hurt the one who causes it as much as the one who harbors it. If you're harboring bitterness in your life, guess what it's going to do? It's going to hurt you more than the one that caused it in your life. And sometimes God's got to cut that away. Let me ask you something. Maybe some of you are holding on to bitterness, resentment, anger towards someone, maybe even for years past. Is it really worth it? What's it really gaining in your life? And God's saying, listen, I want to set you free so you can love again. I want to cut that away. I want to cut that bitterness away, that resentment away, that anger away. Don't want to hang on to that. That's why God said he comes to give us the heart of flesh, to take away the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Because God wants to produce great fruit in you, but sometimes we're not growing the way God wants us to grow and to produce the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. Why? Because we're holding on to resentment and bitterness, and God wants to cut it away. And when God comes in with the shears, some of them are even getting nicked because you're holding on to it so tight that God's even, man, dull in the blade. The key is, is it really worth it? He cuts away your unforgiveness so you can live again. Some of you may have unforgiveness in your life. 
Maybe you have unforgiveness towards your spouse, towards your kids, towards your mom or your dad, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the question is, is it really worth it? Some of you may have this unforgiveness and you're shaking your fist at God. Why, why, why? And God said, just let me cut that away so you can love again. Unforgiveness kills. It destroys the inner man, not the outward of man. You can do everything you can on the outward appearance to make yourself look good, feel good, and everything else by looking in the mirror. But it's inward man. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And God wants to cut that unforgiveness away. That resentment, that unforgiveness, that bitterness that you have towards someone. Some of you may be holding on to awe for years and years, and God said, it's not worth it. You see, listen, God cuts that away. When I look at a surgery, what does a surgery do? The surgery cuts away that is that thing that's no good. My daughter, when she went in for that surgery, and they removed that tumor of three inches. And now, man, my daughter's doing good, but they had to cut that away because that thing was growing so rapidly in her body. And they got it away, and they, she had to go through the pain of that surgery, but now she's up and going again. Sometimes God puts us on the operating table of the Holy Spirit, and he moves in our lives to move away those things in your life and cut away those things in your life so that you can be better for him. That's all God's motive for your life. He wants to bless you exceedingly, abundantly, more than you even think or even fathom. That's why he even says in Ephesians 3.20 and John 10.10, he said, I come to give you life in life more abundantly. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to give you abundance of life. He don't want you to be back in that sorrow and that pain and the past. That's why God says in Isaiah 43, he blots out your sins and he doesn't remember them anymore. The only one that remembers them is you. People that you have bitterness towards or unforgiveness towards, they have moved on in life. But you have this anchor around you that's holding you back. And God said, let me cut that away. Be free indeed. Let go of those things that hold you back. Today, the Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 20, he says these words. He says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. The people recognize you by your fruit, your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Do they recognize you? You see, people always say, how can you tell the difference between a believer and the unbeliever. You tell the difference between the believer and the unbeliever by the believer walking in the fruit of the Spirit, by having self-control when we shouldn't be getting all angry, by maybe showing love, by being kind. That's how you show that you're Christ-like. One of the worst things that you can do to damage your witness for Christ is always getting mad and always having it your way and always being angry. That damages your witness. What happens is that they will recognize you by the fruit that you bear. What kind of fruit are you bearing? What kind of lifestyle are you living? What are you showing to those around you? You won't buy a product if the product doesn't produce. People don't want Jesus if they can't see it in you. You can't sell or tell Jesus, tell people about Jesus if you yourself are not living like Jesus. So Jesus wants us, hey, listen, I cut those things away that you become a, a fruit producer of love of joy, of peace, patience, and kindness. In Colossians 3, verse 10, he says these words. Watch this. And have put on the new self, the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That man, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, 
He's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Your old fleshly ways, your old thinking, your own mannerisms, your own temperament, all these things have passed away and all things become new. You see, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you change your clothes from the old and you put on the new clothes. You change from your way of thinking before, your anger, your lifestyle. You change from that and people can see the fruit in you. I remember some time ago, Cheryl and I went to a wedding. And I, man, hadn't seen my friends for a while. And it just brought this back up to memory today because uh, this last week I got a text from one of my good friends that said, hey, so-and-so's mom just passed away. You might want to call and, and, and talk to him. His, his mom just passed away. But I remember Cheryl and I went to a, a wedding right after I got saved. And we were married now. And it was, I've only been a Christian now for like three years. And we went to this wedding. And I'll never forget... <coughs> And all my friends were there that I used to party with and everything that I did things with. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in the bar at a round table, top table. And uh, we were sitting with a friend and and his girlfriend. And he said all of a sudden, CJ, what happened to you? There's something different about you. Man, you used to be one of us. You used to do all these things. What is different about you? And that allowed me to introduce him to Christ. And right there, his name was Pat. Right there, I got to lead him and his girlfriend to Jesus. Why? Because he saw something different in me. Let me ask you, do people see something different in you? Do people see something different in you? They'll know you by the fruit that you bear. What kind of fruit are you bearing? You see, you are in the image of Christ. You are the image of the Lord. You are his mouthpiece. You are his hands and his feet extended. Amen? As a church, we are called to love each other, reach out to the hurting and to the wounded. But today, our focus, our focus is to reach out to the single parents, the fatherless, and the widows. And I want to speak to you today. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 says these words. He says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause for the fatherless, plead the case for the widows. That's what our role is as a church. And I want you to know today, if you're a single parent, if you're a widow or without your spouse, we love you here at Adventure Church. Come on. I I hear this all the time, that, Pastor, I'm divorced. Let me tell you something. You're under the blood. I hear this all the time, Pastor. I did things in my past I'm not proud of. You're under the blood. The Bible says we've all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. You know what? I don't endorse things and sin. I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. And this pastor is going to love you and accept you for who you are. There's no shame in this house. In James chapter 1, verse 27, I love this. He said, the contentment, go ahead. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That is our role, to look out for you, to assist them, to help them, to aid them in their time of need. And so that is our role as a church. So today, I want to bring some things up to you. The commitment of the church in Christ to the single parents and widows is this. Number one, this is to remind you of this, you are not a fifth wheel. 
Sometimes I understand that you may feel like a fifth wheel, but you are not a fifth wheel here at this church. You are part of the family of God here at Adventure Church. We love you. We accept you. You are part of this family. You are not a, a part of this family at Adventure Church. Number two. You are not a reject because of maybe some pain that you face in your life. Maybe you've gone through a terrible divorce or separation or whatever. You may feel like a reject, but I'm here to tell you today, you are loved here. We love you with open arms. We accept you. You are welcome. We want you to feel a part of who we are here at Adventure Church. You are special in our sights, in God's sight. Amen. Number three is you are forgiven. Amen. You are forgiven. God has forgiven you. God has washed you, cleansed you, redeemed you, set you free. The only one that reminds you of your past is yourself. You don't have to walk in shame when you walk in these doors. You are loved. Number three, number four is that you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. Sometimes we have this when you are, you are not written off, but you are accepted and loved. You are not forgotten. We love you. We accept you. Number five, you are special. You are special. You are special. You got to remind yourself of that every day. You are special. Last is you are not alone. You are not alone. You have this body of believers that stands with you, that supports you, and believes with you. Amen. Pastor Andrew is coming, and we're going to do something here in a moment. And so can you hand me that, Adam? If you're a single parent or you lost your spouse in any way, shape, or form, can you do me a favor? Can you stand? Don't be ashamed. Come on. We have something for you, and we want to pray over you this morning. Can you come and, and gather around here? I know that the altars are pretty packed, and I need my wife to come and help me if you could. And we have gift cards that we'd like to give out to you. We have gift cards for the Chattering Squirrel, so you can take yourself and go eat. And also, for those that want to go to the Chatty Chicks, the card's there for you. God bless you today. God bless you today. God bless you. We love you today. Bob came up to me today and said, Pastor, does this include me? Absolutely, it includes you. Jamie, love you, man. I'll fight with you, man. You know I will. Love you guys. Thank you for being here today. Kathy, God bless you. Next week, we'll get together. We've been doing everything now, but we'll get together. I got your phone number right on my headboard. I really do. Amen. That's my Mrs. Beasley. I love this lady. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Pastor Andrew. We're going to pray here in a moment as my wife's handing out these gifts. If we have enough, if we don't, we'll get you some more. But it's your breath Will you stand with us now? So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath. Receive their gift. 
bow towards these individuals down here. Let's pray over them this morning. We love you. We love you. We truly do. We truly do. Bless your hearts. Every one of you. Every one of you. You're not alone. You're not alone. We stand with you. We believe in you. We accept you. You're forgiven. You're not forgotten. Amen. Father, I thank you for every one of these individuals here today. Lord, may they feel special and loved and honored. We thank you, Father, for each and every one of them, Lord. I pray that, God, your Holy Spirit will begin to reach forward to them right now and touch them in their area of need. Let them know that they're loved, they're special, they're accepted, they're forgiven, they're not forgotten, they're not alone, that you are always there with them. I pray in Jesus' name that, Father, as we're in this love month, that they will sense your love, that they will sense your Holy Spirit moving in them in the areas of their life, Father. Lord, let us be a church that rallies around the single parents, the orphans, and the widows, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that we will not just sit back and be all about us, but we'll reach out. We'll reach out and we'll touch others, Lord God, for the glory of you. Bless these individuals, Father, I pray, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. As you see in your bulletin today, this week's challenge, this week's challenge, number one, offer the babysit for any of these people today. Amen. They probably like that, right? Another one is reach out to a friend. Run an errand to someone. Tell a friend that you love them. Man, take these challenges. Let love in the house go out to our communities and to these people. Let's greet these people today. Meet them and accept them and love them. God bless you today. Thank you for being here. Be at the Valentine's Banquet 615 with open doors. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.